On episode 70 of DevTalk, I speak to Jeffrey Huntley about reinventing the way developers work. Welcome to another episode of DevTalk. My name is Kerry Lothrop, and today's guest is Jeffrey Huntley. Jeffrey is an engineer from Gitpod. He's currently in Queensland, Australia, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, Kerry. It's good to see you again. I think the last time we saw a show was about two and a half years ago, um, before COVID times. Uh, I'm doing well. I am currently in country Queensland, away from COVID, thankfully. Um, yeah. How's it going for you? Germany is back to normal, pretty much. It feels more normal than than the previous months. And uh, school is starting soon and hope things are not so bad because a lot of people have gotten vaccinated here. But I hear Australia is catching up too. Uh, we are catching up uh, with our rollout, um, but we it, it unfortunately got a little bit bungled. Um, all schooling is kind of cancelled and everyone's doing it at home. So we're back to those old stressful times, but that's yeah. COVID. Yeah. Since we last talked, you have switched employers and you are now working for Gitpod. And uh, so recently GitHub launched something similar, I believe, called GitHub Codespaces. And I thought it would be great if we could talk about uh, what the two are and what the difference is. And maybe you could talk about Gitpod first. What is it for people who have not heard of that? Yeah, sure. So yes, um, uh, GitHub Codespaces has recently launched and um, uh, Gitpod has been here for the last two and a half years. People might think about GitHub Codespaces or Gitpod as just like VS Code in the browser. But it's not about that. That's that's just that's just the fin veneer about what the implications of this is. Mm-hmm. So we're going back as an industry to the back to fin clients again. All right. So Gitpod and uh, GitHub Codespaces is essentially a place to run your Docker containers. Okay. So Gitpod uh, uses VS Code. And GitHub Codespaces also, also uses VS Code as well. And what that allows you to do is essentially run your development environments in the cloud. And people are like being like, hmm, why do I need to run a development environment in the cloud? I've got a local laptop. Well, there's many answers to this, many answers to this. One is I'm currently working on an M1 laptop, which is an ARM architecture. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing development with Golang on x86 on Kubernetes. Okay. Like, I don't even have x86 architecture, but I need to do x86 uh, work to be able to do my do my job. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one example. Like, we're getting to the, the point where if you have a browser, you can do development from anywhere from any device. So uh, typically, I'm traveling around Australia when COVID's not spiking, and I'm just carrying around a USB battery pack and M1 laptop. And I, instead of being restricted to the M1 architecture and 16 gigs of memory, I can get big beefy machines in the cloud. So that's one aspect, right? It's being able to do development from anywhere, from any device. Mm -hmm. But that's not the real compelling reason. Kerry, what is it like for you to, you're in consulting, you join a client or you, you hire an engineer and onboarding a software developer into the client or onto a team, what is it like for you? Well, in the ideal world, they have thought about 
what it means to have someone join the team and they have some means or some sort of automation set up to get me started quicker. Uh, so either they've got a development virtual machine that I copy onto my computer and spin it up, or they have some chef scripts or Docker containers uh, that I can use to, to get, get my development environment set up quickly. And by quickly, I mean less than a day. That's if you're lucky, because I've also done consulting before I uh, join Gitpod. And um, it's, it's kind of like a hazing ritual. When you get a new job and or you join a new client, like one of my worst clients, it was a month before we actually had developer tools installed, right? Oh, like boy. a day is a good, is a, is doing really good. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is the bigger picture. So uh, it's not about like VS code in the cloud or thin client. Like it's, it's really about the developer productivity. Mm -hmm. So by taking some of these concepts from the DevOps movement, in particular about reproducible environments and running the same environments in production for development. And since that's specifically uh, Docker containers, you can host them on Gitpod or uh, GitHub code spaces. And what that means is if you put that effort in to actually create the development environment and create that Docker file, then you can now host that in the cloud. And that means anyone can get join a project uh, in, pretty much instantly and spin up a new development environment instantly. So in the case of Gitpod, we do something called pre-builds. And what pre-builds does is it actually builds the development environment after every single commit. So if you think about like what a developer environment is, it's of course your settings, VS Code, et cetera, but there's actually, there's, there's, there's layers below that. That's, you have your dependencies like NPM install or NuGet restores, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You also have got the compilation of the source code, right? So what Gitpod does is every time there's a commit, it actually pre-compiles the entire development environment. So if that's a pull request, say you're a team leader, I start my day uh, every morning by opening a browser tab and of all the open pull requests. And then I just go open in new development environment, click, 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 click. And each browser tab is a brand new browser, uh, brand new development environment. And oh, wow. that development environment has the pull requests pre-compiled, all the dependencies redone and ready to go, ready for review. And all of a sudden I'm doing multi-track development. Like you can't do this on your local computer. So this is really what it's about mm -hmm. um, is all these scenarios. like it's easier to onboard people into your team. Uh, if you're an open source maintainer, it's easy to get contributors to your project because you just click a button and everything's ready to go. Right, yeah. I saw in, in GitHub, it's actually just a pressing a key, pressing period, and then it just fires up. Or if, if you're like in a pull request, you hit period and you it, it just fires up uh, VS Code in your browser and everything's ready for you. And you, yes. can, you can, you can, you're right there. That's yeah. exactly what it's about. So a couple of clarifications. So um, that GitHub engineering post, amazing. It, it, that, that articulates the problem. Like it is, if you have not read the GitHub engineering post where they talk about how GitHub now uses GitHub code spaces to build GitHub, it's really yeah. good. That, that captures the problem that. space. Yeah, yeah, that captures the problem space. So 
Uh, when they launched, they released what was called GitHub.dev. Now, GitHub.dev was launched on the same day as GitHub Codespaces. It's kind of a sneaky marketing trick. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. In time, I suspect they will be. So what happens is when you go to GitHub.dev, so you, if you've got a repository uh, like GitHub.com slash username slash repo, if you change the com to .dev, what it does is it actually um, streams uh, the contents of the Git repository via HTTP, by the GitHub API, and it bootstraps up a VS Code browser, uh, VS Code editor in the browser, and it, it feels like an instant development environment. It, it kind of yeah. feels like it, but it's all running in your browser. There's no terminals. A lot of the extensions don't work, etc. None okay. of the dependencies are installed, but what it's really smart um, but it does have enough to allow you to review a pull request or uh, do a commit. And when you do a commit, what it's doing is a HTTP post to the API for GitHub, to, and that does a commit. So it's kind of faking it. And so there's a bit of confusion that GitHub.dev is code spaces. It's not. Okay. So what I can see is like GitHub.dev, people will go to GitHub.dev and it launches VS Code and it feels like it's instant. And in the background, as a background task, then it would create a virtual machine. So that's like the biggest, one of the biggest differences between Gitpod and uh, Codespaces is like architecturally, Codespaces creates little virtual machines, whereas Gitpod is a play on the words of a Kubernetes pod. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the ways that we make things really fast to start up is when you go to start up a workspace, one, they're pre-compiled and all ready to go. Okay. And we pre-start a whole bunch of Kubernetes pods and they don't have an owner. And so when you start the workspace, it changes the ownership permission, pulls the Docker container, and then you've got VS Code and you've got execution environment in the Kubernetes pod. Mm -hmm. But for GitHub code spaces, what they're doing is they're essentially provisioning an Azure VM and it allows you to do your development in the Azure VM. Their workflow of how you use uh, Codespaces versus Gitpod is very different. Uh, Codespaces is like you create a virtual machine and uh, and it's just like a laptop replacement. You can create a, lap, a machine per branch, but that's not really their optimized workflow. But with okay. Gitpod, the, the workflow is just like create lots of developer environments and then just throw them throw them away when you're done. So disposable is the focus. So Okay. So how do I get started with this? Maybe if, if I've got a new project, how do I set it up? Do I have a local Git repository first or do I, where, where's my code? Where is my, I, I'm completely lost at this point. Okay. Just walk me through yeah, it. Sure. Uh, I'll walk you through it. So first up, uh, GitHub code spaces is only available uh, to companies at this stage, mm -hmm. um, and it's free until the 10th of September. Um, but GitPod is available now and has been for the last two and a half years. Okay. Uh, if you're an open source maintainer, contact me, and I'll give you a coupon that allows unlimited access for life. Um, we cool. build upon open source. It's not we're not possible without open source, and we're developed as open source product. So it's very important that we support those who make us possible. So yeah. where do we start? Okay. The most, at the most fundamental thing between both of these platforms is a Docker image. Mm -hmm. 
So for either code spaces or Git pod, you supply a Docker image stored in a Git repository. And then when you go to Git pod or code spaces, what it does is it builds that Docker image. Okay. And that Docker image will supply your dependencies. For example, if it's a .NET application, it'll install the .NET SDK. If it's a Rust, it'll install the Rust compiler. Now, these Docker containers, they don't have to be just Docker containers. Just think of uh, Docker as a transport mechanism, like kind of like mm-hmm. a tarball. Uh, on both Codespaces and Gitpod, you can actually run virtual machines. So you can define a virtual machine in the Docker file, and when the Docker file runs, it starts QEMU, and that starts up an operating system or a virtual machine. Or you can do Docker and Docker, which allows you to create Kubernetes clusters or uh, Docker Compose if you're running a, um, a very complex environment with microservices. Both okay. of those work. So it's just Docker the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realize when I say just, Docker has a, a quite a big steep learning curve, but you provide the Docker file in a Git repository, you point it at either product, and you you basically are able to onboard something into your team or a contributor to your open source project immediately. Right. Okay. Interesting. So they're, they're much more, more complicated than I thought uh, in a way, but this is an investment that will easily pay off quickly. Correct. Because you... If you're down the path of towards uh, of DevOps, um, you should be using Docker containers in production, and you should be able to reuse those Docker containers used in production for your development loop. And that removes a lot of this. It works on my machine; it doesn't. And this is another huge reason: is like Gitpod uses Gitpod to build Gitpod, GitHub uses GitHub to build GitHub, yeah. um, and they get a consistent, it just works experience across their entire engineering ecosystem and all their stuff. There's, there's none of this, uh, Bob is running uh, a lower version of Node and Jill is running a higher version. You get consistency. You don't get, it works on my machine, but I'm not, I'm not on their machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and those differences that happen in development can also happen in production with some critical severities and problems. And it's, it really, it's really hard. So you want to stabilize the surface. So there's no difference between production and development in DevOps. So you can reuse your production image for development and you can share it. And you can share the same Docker image between Gitpod and Codespaces. Nice. And the, but the Docker image runs on the server? Correct. Or, okay. And so how do I, so when I know you can open the, the, the VS code and, and see or edit the code there, but, but can I actually get a, a screen or like, like, yeah, in my head, this works easily, works well for like web applications, but what if I, for example, I'm developing a mobile project, how, how does that work? Sure. So, uh, mobile is always hard. Yeah because of the, the restrictions for Apple hardware, right? Like down from a licensing point of view. Um, Android is easier because you can do Linux emulators with QEMU. So Android operating system is a, the Android operating system is Linux, which means you can run it in an emulator, which means mm-hmm. you can get a development environment set up. But for iOS and Mac OS, there's not much you can do, unfortunately, on that topic because of the restrictions by Apple. 
Right. Okay. Both technically, uh, especially when we're moving into different architectures now, but also legally as well. Okay. Yeah. So but the say say I had a WinUI application that I was developing. Is yep. do I, how how does the the development in debug loop work there? Sure. So what it looks like is if you have a Docker container that says please install the .NET SDK, right? Yeah. Now, assuming it's WinUI three, right? Mm -hmm. um, from that point forward, you now have a cross-platform way of doing development, especially if you're going down the path of Uno. So okay. from there, because the Docker container can run applications, so from a user point of view, is you you point the you point the Git repository to Gitpod or Code Spaces. It then clones the contents of the Git repository. It gives you VS Code, and then it executes the Docker container on the server. One of the instructions on the server could be start a graphical development environment, start a VNC environment, start a RDP environment, and this is what we do. Mm -hmm. um, and then from that point forwards, once you've got a graphical development environment, you can run a, um, a, a VNC client in the browser. And from there, you now have a development loop that allows you to do development of graphical applications. So this is what you would do for an Android emulator, for example. You start mm -hmm. up a X11 session, okay. um, and that gives you a graphical development environment. Same uh, with Flutter. So the for graphical development right now, the for in browsers, the best um, the best options out there is the Uno platform. Mm -hmm. uh, your typical React stack or Vue stack or Swift, uh and Flutter. Okay, cool. And but but this means you have to be on a stable internet connection to be able to work. I mean, this probably applies especially to you since you typically work from a van in a remote location. Yeah, so that's one of the things is I'm really trying to always every day push that um, because people say, well, if I don't have internet connectivity, you can't do your work. Well, in 2021, you really can't do your work without internet connectivity anyway because we don't have the good old days of MSDN documentation that was like used to be on come on a CD, it used to be really thorough. You know, you need to look at source code at dependencies. You know, they need to look at Stack Overflow and all the rest. Yeah. So. Because it's a fin client, uh, what's happening is you, you get your initial bundle for VS Code run the browser, and then it's cached by the browser using e-tags. And then from that point forward, like all your interactions is just, just like you were just using like a, a, a terminal in your in your browser. Mm -hmm. um, so it's highly performant. So to give you an example, if I was doing development on my local computer on a sketchy internet connection because I'm in a forest somewhere. Um, and I want to do like an NPM install, each dependency that I have to pull down from NPM, and there's a lot of them, would have to do a round trip of a couple of hundred milliseconds and a complete TCP handshake. And there's mm -hmm. like thousands, tens of thousands of dependencies, and that's handshakes and actually downloading the binaries. And that's what you would normally do on your local, if you're doing local development loop. But when something like Codespaces or Gitpod, what's happening is that's all happening in the Google data center. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot more internet bandwidth than I normally do. So I can now be more productive on a very marginal internet connection. Right. Yeah. 
But is there any story where I can move what's on the server to my local machine, like temporarily for an, an intercontinental flight or something like that? Or, 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 or do I like just clone the GitHub repo and uh, the Git repo and then work with that? Excellent question. So offline mode. Yeah, because it's using a, doc, a Docker as the foundation between both of these products. You clone the Git repository down. You build the doc, build the Docker container like with Docker space build, and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you can now do your development environment using VS Code on your local desktop, and you connect VS Code into the Docker image, and then using the same development environment or uh, uh, same development environment online as you do offline. And uh, Microsoft calls this the dev container standard. So you specify a JSON file, the JSON file points to a Docker container, it installs an extension, and that extension connects VS Code into the Docker image. And then you just, like you could be doing C++ dev for x86 on an M1 laptop, right? Nice. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize how much of a um, so I, I think I was mixing up things. I was mixing up code spaces and, and uh, GitHub dev. Um, and I didn't realize how much of an impact this would have. I thought, okay, this is kind of nice. You can edit files in the browser and you don't have to uh, fire up your favorite Git clients to make like a marginal change to a repo. But that's not what this is. This, this is fundamentally changing how we develop. Yes. This is going to be a, a slow, a slow thing, and then a couple of years, people like it will be just like they're not, they're not going to look back. Especially if you're a team lead and you're reviewing pull requests to get everything pre, like pre-built, all the dependencies installed to review a pull request, and you just can review pull requests very easily. Um, Kara, you mentioned virtual machines at your clients. Like it's so easy to cook the virtual machine. You do a git pull and all of a sudden you destroy that virtual machine. Now, if you want to review work between different uh, branches from different coworkers, what do you create another virtual machine in your local computer? You have to play around with git stash uh, yeah. and all that stuff. It's all painful. For me, I don't have local development tools installed on my local computer. I just have Chrome. And that means untrusted code does not execute on my local computer yeah. at all. So it's actually the safety benefits, especially if you're open source maintainer, like when you're getting pull requests from untrusted random people. So the end result is you just like open a new browser window and there is your your there is your developer environment. GitHub Codespaces allows you to create uh, environments with 32 CPU cores and 64 gigs of memory. Like it will yeah. cost you something like 2300 US uh, Go look at the pricing. I forget the exact a month, but you can do it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing intensive C++ dev and you're a compiler engineer, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the next thing is intellectual property. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot more uh, push on on compliance, especially after SolarWinds, etc., of not having intellectual property on laptops, not having source code on laptops. So. I do not have any source code on my laptop because I've got right. no developer tools installed. So that means it's all revocable. So if you're in a company and you're outsourcing, like and you want to hire freelancers or remote software developers or anyone in the world, right? Mm -hmm. You can give them a link and then all of a sudden they can start being productive immediately and they don't have your source code 
on their computer. And if you need to wind up a contract, well, the source code's not on their computer. They don't have a copy of it. So there's going to be a lot more pushes from a compliance point of view and for security point of view where we're going to be moving to this type of model. Uh, this is a default model used by FANG, so Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, okay. um, for many years now. You don't have their source code on your local computer. You, you either use uh, a terminal um, in a browser uh, or you um, connect in um, to via SSH. If you're using Emacs, use Tramp uh, or Vim, etc. But mm -hmm. this is important. You don't, you're not restricted to VS Code. The idea is VS Code is a default implementation. You can connect in with SSH if you need to and do your development like that. Yeah. Um, so no source code on your computer. Now, another thing that really changed things around is um, remote. We're in a pandemic and that's accelerated the topic of remote. And if you're hiring, would you hire engineers in your local area or would you hire the best engineers you can find in time zones that are compatible? Yeah. And uh, one of the things myself as a hiring manager and yourself um, having been done that before, you understand that that is this person struggling because they're having problems getting themselves set up, uh, their laptop set up? Is it a problem with the client? Is it is it a problem with uh, my instructions as a manager? Or is it the person wasn't a good hire? Mm -hmm. Here, you can literally go, here is a link. It's all automated. And that person should be able to send through a pull request on the first day. So it, it yeah. fundamentally changes how we hire as well as an industry. Right. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, quite a, quite a change. I, I mean, the the intellectual property thing right now, either feeling like my employer or our customers might trust our developers more than whoever is hosting the the code. Then, like uh, Microsoft, for example. Uh, but there's there is this shift going on where uh, like we've moved our email servers to the cloud. We never would have thought of that 10 years ago. People just get more used to the the cloud mindset. And I, th I think it's going to be, it's going to be fine. Yeah. But sometimes we, we still have, we still have our local source repositories for customers who insist on that. They say, we want you to host the source and don't put it in the cloud. Yeah. But it's getting less. Yeah, so what we're talking about here today uh, is we're talking about a 10-year shift on how yep. we all work, right? So there's always going to be the early adopters and there's always going to be people who can't adopt because they've got strict requirements for air gap networks, uh, locality of intellectual property and data. Mm -hmm. So uh, GitHub code spaces is a product of github.com. It's a product feature. Yeah. Now, Gitpod is an open source product that's offered as a service and you can run it on your own infrastructure. Ah, that's that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. If you run it locally, is is this also uh, is there also pricing on that or uh, is the pricing only for the hosted version? Yeah, so the, the pricing uh, for uh, Gitpod is uh, go to gitpod.io slash pricing. Yeah. If you're an open source maintainer, I will hook you up with a coupon for unlimited hours. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, uh, it's $9 a month for 100 hours a month. 
but mm-hmm. we do offer self-hosted and currently the pricing for self-hosted is uh, free for unlimited repositories but if you need like enterprise features like admin dashboards and the ability to like share workspaces between co co-workers it's 35 dollars a month okay cool and um i was just thinking about the types of projects we do uh, you said mobile is a problem with because of apple licensing embedded projects is that something you can do as long as it's like linux embedded and not like a microcontroller or um, or can i can i work with something that's on my desk you know yes the answer is yes okay. so one of uh, one one of the open source projects that's integrated with gitpod is the tasmota project which is a firmware for esp32 uh, okay. used heavily with home automation server mm-hmm. so uh, it's uh, by using a combination of ssh tunnels and unix sockets um, you can port forward you can or port forward or, um, or socket forward a like a slash dev slash usb tdy usb into the into the virtual machine at, at github or okay. into the developer environment at gitpod okay so that would mean embedded devices that have uh, ethernet or wi-fi or uh, probably not embedded devices that have you like can do a serial serial ports yeah yeah using okay. unix unix using socat allows you to uh, forward sockets and then once you you get that level you can start looking at forwarding um you can look at actually creating pipes to forward access to raw devices mm-hmm. so that includes serial awesome okay so i'm i'm getting a I mean, these are the types of projects where the developer setup is sometimes huge for the the effort because uh, there's or or like we have projects where there's a embedded part and then there's a cloud part and then there's a a mobile and um, it just gets very complex and and sometimes I mean I, I say if ideally we're set up after a day but it's still two months later that you realize oh my colleague has set up uh, something uh, has the scripts uh, in place that makes it easier for him here. And if they had just done that for everyone in a central location, that that would would have better benefited everyone right right from the start. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Uh, th- thank you for for telling me about this. I'm completely uh, going to have to change my my thinking here. So. That's the the best podcast podcast episodes. Thank you for for this uh, showing me this world. No problem. Thank you for having me on. Um, I really want to encourage everyone to go check out um, GitHub Code Spaces. Go check out Gitpod. Think about the problems you have of onboarding a software developer to your team. Think about the problems you have at open source um, and getting contributors. Like if you can reduce your contributing.md or your onboarding checklist, if you're at a company, down to a Docker container, then you can host that Docker container on any of these future generation platforms that we're talking about. Like right now there's Gitpod and there's uh, GitHub code spaces, but there's gonna be something else coming in the future as well. And because it's a Docker file, it's not like you're getting locked into a particular platform. So this is just one of these things we're just going to lift up the industry a step so it's easy to start contributing 
and easy to start doing your work. And once that happens, you unlock the benefits of being able to, uh, like, for example, for myself, open that pull request and go click, 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 click. And each browser tab is a brand new developer environment that's pre-compiled. You can't do that in the, what, you're, what you're talking about there. It's, it's just too hard. Yeah, um, yeah. So you do multi-track software development instead of single-track software development. and That's really cool. Yeah, the future is bright. All right. Well, uh, thank you for, for being my guest today. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if, in which direction this all develops. And, and, uh, but I, it has the potential. I, I can see what all the buzz is about now. Yeah, it has, has great potential and it will change our, our world, I think, our development world. I truly hope so. I've, we've been here for the last two and a half years, been waiting for this moment in time for GitHub Codespaces to launch because them launching means everyone's now talking about this topic and it's fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, you have a good day and this has been another episode of DevTalk and we'll see each other again in two weeks. Bye-bye.